Hello and welcome to episode four of the Stack Live podcast. I'm recording this at the end of a pretty busy week. We were out on Monday night with the women from Ladybeard magazine. That's the magazine we sent out on Stack this month. And we got them together in a room uh, in in Hoxton on Monday talking about how they go about making the magazine and all the thought processes that go into it. It was totally fascinating stuff. I'd been hoping to make the audio from that into this week's podcast. But when I sat down the following day to edit it all together, I realised that something had obviously gone fatally wrong at the back of the mixing desk and we just didn't have any sound at all. So um, unfortunately, the all the brilliant, interesting things that they said will have to stay forever young uh, in the minds of me and the hundred odd people who were there in the room on Monday night. So I was really, really disappointed by that. Actually, I think I'm going to try to get an interview with some of the the makers of that magazine for a future podcast because some of the stuff they were saying was was just so good it's really worth repeating. Um, But so I was sitting on Tuesday at my desk in a a bit of a funk when Rob Orchard from Delayed Gratification Magazines, who I happened to share an office with, put his new issue down in front of me and I realised straight away Actually, there's a great opportunity here for having Rob on the podcast instead. So I immediately grabbed him, pulled him away from the actual work that he was doing and took him to the new recording studio that I just found downstairs at Makerversity. Um, We're going to talk about that a little bit in the podcast. So you'll uh, hear a bit about where me and Rob work and the stuff that we uh, have around us. And you'll also hear, if you listen for long enough, the fundamental problem with the recording studio, which I didn't realise at the outset. You'll also hear Rob speaking in detail about the new issue. Uh, He talks really interestingly about how they went about covering Brexit. Uh, before it's even really happened. I mean, as I'm speaking this, we're a couple of weeks into the new parliament being back and it's all still up for grabs. Um, He also talks about how they actually go about finding their stories at each issue and the importance of Christmas for anyone who's selling magazine subscriptions. And obviously that's a subject that's very close to my heart. I hope you enjoy it. Listen on. I'm going to be back at the end to do a little bit more talking. Uh, But for now, this is me and Rob Orchard speaking on Tuesday, the 20th of September, 2016 at Makerversity in Somerset House. So I'm joined today by Rob Orchard, editor of Delayed Gratification. Um, and Rob, I've literally just dragged you away from your desk at zero notice to come and join me down here. And thank you very much for coming and doing it. Well, it's a pleasure. <laughs> no, it's a delight. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and I, I've got to say, this is like uh, this is a real step up for the Stat Podcast because we are today in a literal, real recording studio i know it feels a little bit like when the really fat footballer goes and buys ronaldo's boots and like (laughs) thinks that makes him a professional exactly right i think actually we should break this podcast off halfway through and just start laying down a track yeah yeah let's do it something about magazines something very sweet something in a minor key something haunting let's do a haunting track about stack uh, stack magazines have you heard the music for the podcast 
No. Okay, so you're going to have to, to listen to it. It's basically, it's made from the sound of flipping and wobbling magazines. Oh, nice. And it's all being sampled together into this, like, pop, pop, pop sort of... Oh, that sounds amazing. Who did that for you? Uh, some very good friends of mine, a company called Pika. Very good. Yeah. Good for you, Pika. It is good for you, Pika, and Stack as well. Yeah. Um, I, well and basically, it is very much because of you that we're here today, because it was you who introduced me to... Makerversity, which this is, is the, true. this place. So t- actually, tell, tell us a bit about Makerversity and how you first came here. Very good. So um, so we've been at Makerversity since uh, January of 2015. And we were very, very, very fortunate to find this place because we'd just been thrown out of our last office, which had effectively been kind of condemned. And they had, um, they had just sort of stopped trying, the people who managed the place. So there were, there were literally like holes in the kind of the, the sort of the, the plasterboard ceiling. <laughs> And um, there was like an office dog, but nobody was kind of clearing up after the office dog, so oh, there was no. dog hair everywhere. And I swear to God, the toilets, like it's, it was, it kind of got to say, so like there was something very badly wrong with the toilets. And unless you got there, like very first thing on the Monday morning, <laughs> it was just train spotting toilets all week. You know, I thought somebody was going to get cholera, you know. And just have to, so, uh, so that was a massive big step up from us. And here we are in this kind of lovely, amazing shared space. With all sorts of exciting little companies doing uh, really, really amazing things, and, and some sort of startups. So you look at them, you think, a couple of years time, you are going to be like multimillionaires. Amazing. Um, and, and, and Makerversity is a is a shared workspace underneath Somerset House. Exactly right. Exactly right. In the bowels of Somerset House. Um, so we uh, we have this lovely, you know, lovely little kind of shared space. Uh, so the team delayed gratification has team stack sitting directly uh, behind us. And when you have, when you don't build your wall of magazine boxes. Well, this is true. At the high. moment, we have like a massive, massive wall of magazine boxes, which is shutting you out. Um, and, and sooner or later, actually, before too long, we'll also shut out all natural light <laughs> and certain amount of oxygen <laughs> to team stack. But it's okay, because before then, you'll have been overpowered by the massive scent of solvent that comes over from all of the boxes as well. <laughs> but we also have, we have a lovely view over the Thames, which is very exciting. And apparently, we have yeah, a professional recording space. Yeah, well, yeah. this is it. So, so now you know it's here, so you can start your own podcast. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, well, so you, you've, we've just mentioned the boxes and boxes of magazines, um, and I want to speak to you today because a new issue just arrived today. Yes, exactly. New issue today, issue twenty-three, almost done six years, covering uh, April to June of this year. Um, definitely our best issue yet. So pleased with this one. I, I just, I love everything about it. I love, I love the kind of the, the the features we've got. I think they're fantastic. We've got some beautiful stuff. The design's amazing. Really good print as well this time. We've been doing a lot of work on kind of you know on our pre-press stuff and so on. And as you know, with with uh, kind of uncoated stock like ours, there can be an issue with it where the black really kind of sinks in. It gets a bit muddy, but not not a trace of that. This issue is absolutely gorgeous. And um, so really pleased with it. Uh, and and you mentioned just then. So this is the April to June issue. Now, yes. The I, I would imagine that most people listening to this podcast will know immediately what the <laughs> gratification is all about. But let's just do the the check just in case. For sure, for sure. Um. So uh, the late gratification is a quarterly print news magazine which uh, looks back on the big events of the quarter after the dust has settled. Uh, We call ourselves a slow journalism magazine, so we set up um, in opposition to hyper-fast digital 24-7 online news distribution uh, with its great emphasis on being first rather than necessarily being right um, and its its tendency to get journalists to tell you what's happening right now without any chance for kind of context or analysis. 
Um, uh, and then moving on to the next story very quickly. So we try to do the opposite of that. So a beautiful quarterly news magazine that cuts through all of the all of the guff, cuts through all of the PR nonsense and the Twitter spats and the stories that turn out not to be stories um, uh, and goes back to the really important stuff and tells you what happened after everybody else moved on. And in, in this issue, I mean, you've got an embarrassment of riches My for God. this one. A lot happened in this time period. It was period. an insane quarter. And do you know what? So I, I honestly think, um, you know, I, I'm not sure we've seen a quarter like this since, you know, since maybe kind of we started. Because actually when we started, the first issue was a bit daft. We had kind of WikiLeaks um, and we had um, we had the rise of the EDL. And then, well, actually, you know, and then there was that, and then, but then there was also tsunami. Um, a couple of issues after, but but this one I think is is definitely the the most action packed for for a very long time. And of course, the the really huge thing was the EU referendum, and that was one that we just spent such a long time trying to work out what to do with, because of course it happened at the end of of June, and so we only had kind of a couple of months really to to sort out our coverage and to find something that was sufficiently different um, and added more than the reams and reams of coverage that there's always been, like the, the blanket coverage that there's always been. But I'm quite confident that we've done it. So we've got an 18-page Brexit special, basically. Um, and we've also tried to be non-partisan, despite the fact that I think probably our team are quite partisan, sort of personally, on, on this issue. But um, try to be non-partisan, because the magazine is, is non-partisan. And I think we've got a really nice balance of viewpoints in there, with some beautiful infographics, and quite a lot of stuff that maybe people haven't read. Uh, so I've, I've been listening to this issue coming together mm. on the other side of the wall of boxes. And the thing that's really struck me is the difficulty you must have had in terms of reporting a story that hasn't resolved itself yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because it's a seismic event that actually hasn't really happened yet. You know, so yeah, the vote was, was kind of massive. Uh, but you're right, that's, it's a difficult one. So I think there were two functions that we were trying to, to fulfil. One was this kind of almanac function, this kind of taking a snapshot of this extraordinary event at the time, what was happening on that day and in the, the lead up and, of course, the campaign. I think that's worth doing. The second thing was trying to do some analysis. And that's where it's more difficult because, of course, it's a story that's moving on sort of the whole time. But the way that we decided to set it up was in terms of six fault lines opened up by this vote. So six places um, where the vote potentially could have really, really earth-shattering consequences. Some of them we've seen really open up already. Some of them are kind of further down the line. So, for example, um, so actually, let, let me read out the list in full. Um, so we had uh, Westminster versus the people. This extraordinary situation where in a representative parliamentary democracy, we've had uh, only our third ever UK-wide um, uh, referendum, so exercise in direct democracy, and what you've got now is you've got the entire House of Commons staffed by MPs who are fundamentally and diametrically opposed uh, to this mandate that they've been given from the people. And trying to reconcile that those two sides is very, very difficult. So we've got some great analysis on that. We sent somebody to Northern Ireland to look at the issue with the border. And of course, in Northern Ireland, they feel incredibly overlooked in this whole thing. As you know, The first thing that people said to, um, to Matthew when we sent him over there was, why is everyone calling it Brexit? It's not. It's a UK exit. <laughs> like, have you forgotten about Northern Ireland? And have you forgotten about the fact that there's, you know, there's a potential for a hard border here? Um, and it's fascinating. So in the bit of Northern Ireland, he went to, to Derry um, and it's just um, uh, just across the border from uh, from Donegal. And, you know, there's people in the Republic of, of Ireland who have to commute through Northern Ireland in order to get to, to, to um, the rest of Ireland. And, you know, the, the kind of the potential 
for messing up this incredibly delicately balanced agreement, the, you know, the Good Friday Agreement, and all of the kind of the compromises between people who are in, implacably opposed to one another that that involves, that's, that's fascinating. And I'll be fast with the others. So we did something on Gibraltar. So that's 96% versus 4%. Only 4% of um, Gibraltarians voted um, against, um, uh, voted to, uh, to, to leave and um, they, uh, we tracked some of them down and told their stories. The city versus the country. So, you know, this economic issue where you have um, the city and all of big business basically saying, you have to stay in the EU and the, the country putting two fingers up to them. Scotland versus its fishermen. So these kind of these, uh, pe the people who are probably the most excited about the vote to leave are the fishermen who feel incredibly hard done by, by the common fisheries policy. And, um, and are now really, really excited about what the future holds, but are really worried that Scotland is going to screw them over by seeking some way to remain within the EU. And finally, Brussels versus Brexit, this beautiful interview with um, the guy who, Vesterberg, who was the guy who negotiated Greenland leaving the EEC back in the 80s, and just has this kind of tale of woe for what's in store for us. I mean, you know, back then there were 50,000 people living in Greenland, and uh, he was trying to negotiate with these EEC people and getting completely short shrift. And as he said, you know, really all they were discussing was fish. That was really the only kind of bone of contention. Um, the only bone of contention. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Unintended, but brilliant. Um, uh, and so, yeah, and so yeah, talking to him about what the future might hold... Um, really interesting. And then lots of beautiful infographics as well. And the, so the, I mean, I've only had a chance to have a quick flick through this, but the story from the ones that you've just mentioned there that really stood out for me was the Gibraltar one. Yes. Because it, for me, it shows what DG does so well in terms of it takes you back to a completely different time. Mm. So the story begins as the, the Gibraltar vote is, uh, is coming out and everyone's very, very happy there mm. because overwhelmingly... And, and that, that was the first vote that was counted. It I was, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. And returned, yeah. So it's this different time before mm. we knew what was going to happen. Mm. And then it also goes on to develop that story and tell it from this perspective that I personally haven't seen before, mm. which for me is the value of delayed gratification. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I love that Gibraltar piece. I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, there was this movement, so the, it, like the 4% of Gibraltarians who voted to, uh, to leave, I think that came to 823 Gibraltarians or something like it. And at one point there was a little um, campaign going on social media to name and shame them all on Facebook. <laughs> um, you know, and um, a couple of them um, who were very outspoken um, said that they had received threats that they would have government contracts cancelled and this and that and the other and so on. Um, but yeah, absolutely fascinating. What an interesting sort of perspective because Gibraltar has been booming recently, partly because of the EU connection. So um, the uh, the town that's just across uh, the the Strait of Gibraltar, um, uh, La Línea de Concepción, people, something like 30,000 people travel from there to work in Gibraltar every single day. So they're benefiting from that freedom of movement, but they also have this very, very strong um, UK identity um, and have kind of, you know, lower tax rates and so on, which has enabled them to, to become a real boom place. Mm, mm, mm. And, and But the, um, the magazine is arranged chronologically. Yes. So, and as you say, the vote was at the end of June. Mm. So although we've started speaking about it first, because it's yes. probably the thing that's, that's foremost in our minds, actually your first big story, and this is another belter, is the Panama Papers yes. story. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And extraordinarily, you've got... Bastian Overmeyer and Frederick Overmeyer, the two guys who actually broke the story, 
have written this for you. Yes, it's absolutely fantastic. So um, what it is, is it's a uh, like an updated and modified version of um, a chapter from their book about this story. Um, and they've gone into quite a lot more detail, which is absolutely fantastic and brought it up to date for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Panama Papers was... Um, was such an interesting story. And it's one of those ones that has kind of bubbled back down again. Um, and of course, they're really at the stage where they've just kind of, they've just got the tip of the iceberg. I mean, this this was the biggest data um, uh, breach, I suppose, um, and, and you know, biggest data journalism story in history. Like the, the sheer amount of data that they went through is absolutely colossal. And as they say, a lot of the stories, they've had a lot of stories about big people that they've not published just because they haven't quite got the legal side of it kind of quite 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 nailed down but they're still working through it and so on um the interesting thing for me was um actually the most interesting thing for me was the story of the Icelandic prime minister because there was a very very so he was revealed to have a link um to an offshore company I think through his wife and um and you know there's no suggestion of any kind of any illegality at all and yet because in Iceland there's this this kind of visceral anger about 2008 the financial crash and financial kind of wheeler dealering there were protests outside um the, the parliament building in Reykjavik um with people banging on the gates with their cycle helmets and throwing toilet paper and doing all sorts of stuff like that um, and this guy eventually ended up, you know, stepping down. So there was an immediate reaction, then there was a follow-up reaction, and it was just interesting to hear from them whether they think long-term this will change anything at all. Mm, mm, mm. And so I mean, looking at the um, the cover you have here, um, we also have um, uh, Donald, Donald Trump's nomination. I mean, yes. that, that little story. Yep. Uh, Leicester City winning the premiership, the Orlando shootings, uh, the sh- shooting of uh, Joe Cox... Um, the as you're like walking around the world, mm. do you see something and think immediately, oh well, that is that's in the next issue, and this is how we're going to go about it, or do you actually need a bit of time to reflect yourself? That's that's really interesting. Um, I think it's a bit of both, and um, we do. You know, this this magazine is is both. Uh, it's it's a massive. An incredibly stupid jigsaw because it's basically <laughs> like it's got so many internal rules like you couldn't make anything more awkward to put together in a way which also means that it's all the more fat and sort of satisfying when it does finally come together but you know so everything has to run through chronologically everything has to be tied to a strong date hook um uh we have to have um so these news and briefs running and they have to be on certain pages and they can't be on others and uh, and so fitting everything together is, is ridiculous. And we start with the most colossal number of ideas. So at the moment, we are in the idea stage for issue 24. And I love that. It's great because you're just throwing stuff at the wall. Um, and, and, you know, have this massive kind of list that will be whittled down, whittled down, whittled down. And all sorts of editorial decisions obviously get kind of taken. So, you know, part of it is, well, we have to do something huge on X because it was so important and, and so on. And then part of it is this kind of sifting around. You're like, well, I'm looking at this month and um, it's just full of sad stories, so I can't have a month full of sad stories. There needs to be light and shade. So I need something funny in there. I need to move this in and around. Or we've got a month that is exclusively kind of stories um, from the Middle East. That's kind of daft or exclusively sports stories and moving things around and so on. So this it's trying to kind of build up this build up this thing so it's all of a piece. And so that if you were to read it from the beginning to the end, you'd constantly be sort of 
pulled back and forth through a range of emotional states. Do you know what I mean? So like like deepest despair about the state of the world to uplift about somebody whose life really kind of meant something to laughing, you know, your face off about some great infographic about Donald Trump and how mad his campaign has been. <laughs> you know, and this is, you know, so this is all this is all poured over. And, you know, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's the same for every single magazine editor. I do know in my heart of hearts that nobody who receives this magazine thinks about it a thousandth as much as I do. And I also know in my heart of hearts that for a lot of people, it's just like, oh, that's nice, late gratification. Pop it in the like little basket by the toilet where we keep all the toilet rolls. You know, look at a few of the funnies. And then, you know, it gets a bit doggy after a few months and sort of chuck it out. And, you know, how many people actually kind of read the long form and so on? I don't know. I do feel, though, probably that the people who do make that effort and read them will find something really kind of meaty in there. Mm. I think my favourite piece um, in the whole issue is this, uh, this, this story where we sent somebody back to the Fort McMurray wildfires. And that was this amazing story and it really kind of caught... And I think it's kind of... Uh, the reason I like it is because they're a classic DG story. So it was this, um, you know, this story that was in the, the, the press um, and, and on news constantly for three days. And these nightmarish shots of people driving on this one road out of town as a wildfire kind of builds up around them. You know, the flames are kind of licking around them. The sky's turned black with smoke. Uh, some of them are running out of petrol. Some of them have not been able to pick up their kids on the, on the way. This is nightmare sort of speedy evacuation that happens in this in this very, very remote town. And then, you know, the, the kind of coverage moves on to something else, as it always does. So we send somebody back um, three months later and you just get this beautiful 10-page uh, story with amazing photos of people trying to pull their lives back together. And more than that, of a kind of a community grappling with uh, this immensely traumatic event. Um, adding, adding to that the fact that it was only really kind of 10% of people whose homes were kind of obliterated. And for a lot of people, they are, you know, albeit you know, they're, they're, a lot of people are now in counselling. Um, are able to go back to their homes and start again. But there's a lot of people who've lost absolutely everything and are just, you know, scouring through the ashes that was their home, looking for little bits and bobs and trinkets and stuff like that. You, so, you like that indeed, you don't you? You like yeah. this. I'm thinking of the oil tanker crash as well in Canada. Oh, yeah, that's true, the, yeah. You, you, you like a story of a town being I do. obliterated. <laughs> I do, in Canada, yeah. <laughs> Always in Canada. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, it's, very, it's a very similar story. So that was... Um, that was kind of three years ago, I think. And that was a very unusual story. So this, you know, this um, train derailed and caught fire and set fire to, to, to the downtown area. Um, and uh, I think quite a lot of people died in that one. Nobody died in this one. Um, thank goodness. But um, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, there's something there's something very, very interesting about an obscure place that suddenly becomes the focal, you know, uh, focal point for attention for the whole world. You know, and while they are fighting for their lives and everything is going horrible, they you know they see journalists on every corner, hefting video cameras at them. There's drones in the skies taking footage to be sold of their own personal misery. But the really interesting thing for me is that nobody goes back and sees what happens afterwards. And and actually, it tends to be it tends to be a story with with kind of again light and shade. You know, there's some really kind of sad stuff, but there's also this amazing solidarity. You know, amazing amount of people pulling together and trying to help one another. Uh, so you're right. I, I do like that sort of story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it can be, it can be awful because, you know, as a human being, you hear about some kind of dreadful thing happening, some event taking place, and you know, the larger part of you just feels kind of sympathy and upset, and the editorial part of you is just like, this, this will be an interesting story. You know, that's awful, but it will be an interesting story. 
Um, it, and it is. It is. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, so the so so that's the new issue. Yes. And and I think that sort of like anyone listening to this should know that um, they should go out and buy a copy and enjoy it. Um, but we were talking earlier about um, some other stuff that you're working on at the moment. Some very clever Christmas marketing. Ah, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure how clever it is. I hope it's going to work out for us. We have so. Um, the Christmas marketing campaign is, is um, built on two premises. Firstly, that we need to um, get some more kind of PR attention before Christmas, uh, which, as you know, is the most important time of year for, for selling subscriptions. So so this is because, I mean, that's exactly the case for Stack, right? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, Stack yeah, yeah. is absolutely, sorry, Christmas is the most important yeah, time. Yeah, we're Christmas dependent. <laughs> and so the, the same for you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the last five weeks of the year, you know, sometimes we sell 40% of our subscriptions mm. a year. It's just crazy. Um, so if we get it wrong, it's a really, really kind of bad uh, bad thing. So, um, yeah, so the, the, the first the first issue is is that. The second issue is uh, reducing the massive and, and kind of overbearing wall of magazines that's built up between our two companies because we now have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, the last few issues, um, which were office copies, which in the end we didn't use for one reason or another. So what we're going to do is we are trying to... We're trying to come up with a list of 100 influencers, people that we think are interesting, people who've got kind of a platform, people on um, Instagram who are interested in interesting things, people with kind of interesting blogs, commentators, columnists, and so on. Uh, And uh, we've had some really nice uh, delayed gratification uh, Christmas wrapping paper printed up. Um, And so tomorrow we've got somebody coming in to wrap 100 um, sets of the last four issues, including this new one. Um, and then we're going to send them out to these um, as yet undefined hundred people. So we're going to define them tomorrow and send them out on Thursday, I think. Um, and yeah, so it'll get rid of the wall of magazines, but hopefully also it'll generate some interest. Um, I mean, as you know, it it can be difficult. It can be difficult having stories to sort of PR. Really, I mean, I think you know. Um, a lot of people uh, know about Stack. A lot of people know about DG. I'm sure there's lots of people that we still both need to reach you who haven't heard of us, but we can't tell really the story of you know what the magazine's about and what the, the service is about. Not really now. I mean, it's you know it's six years in for both of us. So actually, we need something different to talk about. Mm. So we, we we're trying it. You know, it's one of a series of different things we're going to try. And mm-hmm. mm. um, so, what's your ideal Christmas coverage? Who do you want to see? Uh, picking up this story and telling people about it? Well, um, you know, it's always fantastic to be in a big publication. Um, so we've been in The Guardian before in their gift guide. That's amazing for us. We were in New York Magazine's gift guide. That was fantastic for us as well. Um, but I think also, you know, there's there's probably, um, there's probably a huge amount uh, um, in terms of kind of trusted blogs. I think also Instagram is particularly interesting. And, you know, so I have started on, on kind of working on this list and just looking at some of the people who are talking about interesting lifestyle things and, and kind of, you know, uh, I don't really use Instagram myself because I don't understand it in the same way as I don't understand Twitter or Facebook. But my wife uses Instagram and she shows me things on there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that does look nice. We should cook that. We should do that. So I guess, I guess probably the dream is like a series of people picking it up because they can find some different story in it themselves. 
and having you know instead of like one big massive hit where you're like oh my god like if we don't get in like the guardian or whatever oh my god we're over actually having sort of 20 smaller hits that maybe kind of get shared around and so on um is is kind of good um but you're absolutely right i mean it's it's for us the whole year just leads up to this and it's about you know doing great issues engaging with people meeting up with people doing you know classes and stuff like that and putting ourselves out there so that when it comes to november and people are like what on earth do i get for my uncle you know we're there and ready to help well i'd say um buying delayed gratification for christmas is a very good idea not quite as good an idea as buying stack for christmas <laughs> I would say, go for stack first, then maybe DG is a second thing. But um, uh, no, obviously, um, it's... <laughs> Screw you, Watson. <laughs> I've come down here to the incredibly hot subterranean freaking recording studio of shame. I've given you half an hour of primo content, and what do I get at the end? <laughs> this is it. We have Sloppy seconds with delayed gratification. We are now discovering that this fantastic recording studio is blooming hot. It is very, 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 very hot. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Well, look, um, I think that we should say, let's end it there before one of us spontaneously combusts. Very good. Um, Rob, thank you very much uh, for your time. Real um, pleasure. Good luck getting the mag out there and good luck with the Christmas stuff. Thank you very much. Oh, I tell you what, if it's not too late, um, can I um, tell people uh, a, um, a promo code? In case they want to take out a subscription. So actually, if um, if you're listening and you like the sound of the magazine, um, then if you use the um, the promo code new sub, N E W S U B, then you get twenty percent off. That's our biggest discount, um, and so that brings uh, an annual subscription down to starting from just twenty eight pounds eighty a year. Wow. Yeah. That is value. It is value, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Very good. Rob, thank you very much. Real pleasure. Okay, that's enough for this week. I hope you enjoyed me chatting on with Rob. I could seriously listen to him talk all day. I'm always just so impressed by the work that they do on delayed gratification and also the clarity of his thought, the way that he discusses the the various issues that, that his magazine brings up. It's such a great piece of work. So do use his, uh, his discount code. Also, if you're interested in giving Stack a try, you can use the code podcast which gives you uh, a, a very good deal it's the i think it's the best deal that we have um so it, that's a, a special one just for people like you who listen through to the end of the podcast and next month we're going to be heading off to new york so watch the blog for details of that we're going to have a few events that we're putting on while we're over there so if you're in new york it would be lovely to see you and listen out for the interviews that are going to come on the podcast as a result of me being there so I'm just really going to be spending my time catching up with some of the city's most exciting magazine makers and speaking to them and hopefully recording some bits of it for this podcast so thanks for listening watch out for us coming back next week remember if you've just stumbled across this uh, you can follow us in soundcloud or in itunes just search stack live this is a weekly podcast and so we'll have another one out next saturday And until then, thanks for listening and goodbye.